0: Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, family. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're all learning about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Thaler Picar, an expert on leadership storytelling, persuasive communication, and organizational narrative. Thaler is CEO of Thaler Picar and Partners, where she and her team guide organizations in finding, developing, and amplifying stories that break through and rally critical support. She is a visiting professor at Syracuse University and a frequent guest lecturer at Columbia. And a cool pre-COVID stat, she and her team have worked in 34 countries on five continents. I just thought that
1: was super cool. So I had to say that and say, welcome, Thaylor. Hi, Jennifer. It is so nice to be here. That stat does make me a little sad. I miss I know. <laughs> I'm kind of putting it out there into the universe that you can add
0: to those numbers. You know, let's make that a goal, a dream that we can all attain someday.
1: Oh, the list is, <laughs> the list is growing
0: of all the things
1: that we want. Oh my
0: gosh, for sure. Well, part of that, you know, when we think about these, like, what is the story behind, you know, all these continents you've been on and how your team got there? It's as someone who is, I love to tell stories. So that's what attracts me to everything that you're doing is like, what makes for a good story? How do you work with leadership? Why do
1: they know how to tell, need to know how to tell stories? What do you do and why is it so important? I really like to listen to stories. So I think I developed this career so I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, so my my brother is a bionuclear physicist who runs the Brain Imaging Institute at Johns Hopkins, and he- Sure, of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) He went to MIT at 16. My mom had an incredibly successful chargeback collection. She was a bookkeeper, trained as a bookkeeper my dad ran building and services for a school, town school system. And so I think I was the person who figured out how we could all possibly speak to each other. Yeah, because that's a lot of competing. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. But I do like stories. And, And what happened was I was working in persuasive communication. I was working in advocacy communication. And there was a big push on Talk about your values. You need to talk about your values because people can respond to your values. But my clients weren't getting ahead fast enough. And I kept thinking, Mm -hmm. how do we process as human beings? How do we respond to information, process information? And in conversation, actually, with my brother and a lot of reading that I was doing, I came to the understanding that it's story. Story is how we hear things, a story is a container for so much, for data and reason and emotion, all in one beautiful package.
0: Interesting. Yes. Everything that happens to me triggers a story. So is that just me? <laughs> or is it Just everyone think of them. They're everything in terms of story. Because I do. I find it's the language that I like to communicate in.
1: Good for you. It's empathetic story is an emergent form of communication. So when you tell a story, you spark a story in your listener. And that's why it's so important as a leadership skill. Because that old style way of communicating, I'm going to tell you something and you're going to hear it and you're going to act on it. Even if you don't have teenagers, you know, that isn't true. (laughs) It's not why? Oh my gosh,
0: yeah, my teenagers are like barely putting up with any story that I'm about to tell, unless it grips them right from the beginning, and I surprise them. <laughs> it has to have a, a shocking twist right at the beginning.
1: <laughs> and you would asked me what makes a good story, and what makes a good story is that, and this might sound odd, but even if it's a story about you, a good story is really about your listener. So you're telling a story that you know is going to connect with, is going to resonate with, is going to spark something in your listener's mind. So you never tell a story about you or something that happened to you just for yourself. You're sharing it. You're inviting the person to imagine what that story was like, to walk around inside of your story, to say, ooh, I I could do that too. Or even better yet, something like that happened to me, or I aspire to do that. Right. Right. And that I can see
0: myself why you made that decision. I can see what led you to, you know, like I'm, you're bringing me along in the, that I can see where you were standing in the crossroads of why you decided to go left and not right.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and maybe I would have gone right. Yeah but at least you've taken me to that path or to that crossroads and I'm making my own decision. This is why I hate, and you should never, your audience should know, <laughs> ever end a story and say, and what that story means is. Oh. <laughs> That's a pro tip right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine? I mean, I and I'm sure people do this all the time and then your listener is thinking, Oh, that's not what <laughs> that's not what the the lesson learned here is. You know, you want it's ooh, yeah. I, I think you set yourself up for failure if you're gonna define you also I would think stop the conversation at the point. Yeah. There's no interpretation happening.
1: Right. It's pretty pedantic and pretty mansplaining. Well, is it can we talk is there is there any sort of
0: gender or anything that comes into play here in the sense that I have found not always. I, you know, I've known a lot of men that wanted to tell stories too, but I feel like it's a very empathetic way of communicating that tends to lean towards like women sharing women's stories. Ever since I took gender studies, I feel like I've been listening and telling women's stories. So I, that may just be my world I traffic in. But is there anything like, this is the way women communicate or we like it that more than men, or am I just making assumptions?
1: <laughs> I get asked this question all the time. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> the types of stories that are told might be different. The context in which the stories might be told are different. The bigger issue is the acceptance of the stories. So when I'm dealing with leaders and people in management positions, people in professional settings, the issue is more about are women being allowed to tell the story? Oh, yes. Yes, I can see that. Right.
0: Yeah, because it makes me think of like the great American novel. These were all the things you learned, you know, when the scales fell from your eyes in gender studies that that the great American novel is was very, you know, the Hemingway version of being the great writer. Is very limiting, you know. There's all these other voices that you want to hear, and you, your mind blows, and then you get all mad about that, and you, you know, you start your journey to find other voices that you want to learn about. And I, yes, like how many times have you sat and listened to some guy tell you a story, and like there are other points of view, other stories that you don't get to hear around that table. That is very
1: interesting. Yeah, you're not being invited to share, and part of this segues into the listening issue yes i'd love yes so i you
0: did a recent essay on the power and the importance of listening for medium which we will link to in our episode description and it made me think we all just terrible listeners by birth is that just how we start out I don't think it's
1: how we start out. Okay. It's (laughs) It's just me. (laughs) Because we're so happy to hear our our mom's voice. You know, if if we are hearing able people, you know, it is wonderful to be able to hear the voice of a mom, but we are not rewarded for listening, right? Especially in a workplace, you get promoted if if you speak more oh, that person really speaks up, or you get promoted for what you say and how you express yourself, you get penalized for not contributing enough, oftentimes. Yeah,
0: right. And it's it's a weird dichotomy in that the introvert at the table, or, you know, you're the only woman in the room, you just don't feel comfortable speaking up. And yet, You're penalized for not talking. We don't get your, it's, 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 there's a lot of tangled web happening in the center of that table. Yeah. So, yes. But how about with listening? Like how we hear, you were talking about that the pandemic offers a context that we can habitualize being better listeners. And I thought, that's
1: interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, I think because everything's so new. Yeah. And if everything's so new, then let's look at it with fresh eyes. And I have yet to meet someone who says, "I'm a fantastic listener." <laughs> yeah, right, because the people who are very good at it really want to be better at it. A lot of times it's therapists, it's clergy people, it's hospice workers, it might be nurses, people who are who understand that listening is important." to their success and to the people for whom they're servicing or caring for to, to their success. And so they want to be even better all the time at it. We have an opportunity now. I do have to sit, say that when I said that, what I was thinking of is like in my own relationship, right? Like, I don't know about your listeners, but Oh, I, yes. <laughs> I have never felt more married than I have during this pandemic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I would not know what you are speaking. No, I have no idea. No. Let me tell you, I hear you. I'm listening to you and I hear you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And it served us really well, but we've, we've been listening more closely. We realize if we're going to live in this space together, for a year with mostly just the two of us we need to listen thoroughly and carefully and expansively to each other now i said this to someone about the pandemic providing a, a time for listening and they said oh yeah it's so important that you write about this especially now when like nobody is listening to each other i mean i hear my husband all the time and like i just stopped listening <laughs>
0: <laughs> never in my house, never, never. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> Cuz we're in a tiny house in in Brooklyn in my life. So, part of it there is a we're habitualizing being terrible listeners because it's the only way we can all be together in a small space. Oh. But but that's a different activity that's happening of us all trying to find neutral corners and then come together. But once we are together, true listening needs to happen.
1: And has it been happening, Jennifer, or are you finding it hard because you're creating a new habit of not listening during the day that it's been more difficult to turn on a new habit of listening more closely?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I have teens, so it's allowing for the neutral corners, but then it's about creating opportunities for us to come together, to communicate together in any way, Like just to communicate. And then to hear some of the to, to listen in especially when my two kids get together and they just start having their own conversation it's listening in on what they're mm-hmm. talking about you know that sort of there's a lot of different types of listening happening
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you're a partner when you're a parent and then bringing it into the workplace when you're a manager when you have a boss when you have mm-hmm. peers i don't know is the listening any different I, I think it is but maybe i'm just it's just manifesting in different ways
1: no, yes, you're absolutely right. I love that term. A lot of different kinds of listening. <laughs> Sometimes we listen for intent, right? What's the other person saying? What's the mm-hmm. intent behind the words? Sometimes we listen for emotion. Sometimes we listen for patterns. Sometimes we listen for facts. Sometimes we listen for affirmation. I'm not saying all of these are good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know the affirmation one with bosses
0: or with reports where it's like whatever you're saying. There's always a level of is this all going well? You know, am I doing okay? Yes, I know that one very well.
1: What I was trying to say in that article is let's listen for surprise. So especially as we think about having conversations with people that are very different than us, or people who might be actively opposed to us, or opposed to some part of our lives or an identity that we choose to put forward in the world. As we approach the coming into the holiday season, and we're going to be in conversation with people that we might not always be in conversation with, or if you're like me, you're spending your COVID time in a very politically contrasting area. Yeah. Open yourself up and completely listen for surprise. Do not bring your presumptions into the discussion because then the only thing you're going to hear is what affirms all the presumptions and assumptions and stereotypes that you're walking in with. You won't hear anything new unless you leave that at the door and unless you allow yourself to say, I'm going to be surprised. I'm going to leave myself completely open and hear something new. I'm open to learning. That is
0: so hard.
1: <laughs> that is a learned skill
0: that I need to learn. I walk into the situations thinking that I will do that. And then <laughs> sometimes it lasts about five minutes. And then I, you know, urgh, yeah, I, my,
1: I, my fist just went up of like protective posture. And you should protect yourself. Don't ever listen to somebody who is insulting you, who is dangerous to somebody who is absolutely being aggressive towards you. I want to make that clear. I would, there's lots of reasons not to listen, as well as there are reasons to listen. Well, th- thank
0: you for that. <laughs> as we tell everybody to wander into their you know, family situations where they don't agree on the same points, and <laughs> we say, no, just put your guard down. It's totally fine. <laughs> Let's, we won't do that. We'll say you're allowed to keep up a little, little protection there.
1: I'll go through the Mobius strip of this conversation. So going back to story, I do think that in these kind of charged family situations, and maybe there are multi-generations, story is a great fallback because everybody wants to hear the story of the elders or even the younger people. Right. Asking for a story, tell me about a time this happened to you, tell me what... Christmas morning was like when you were growing up. Tell me what your family, your favorite childhood family Christmas memory is. Oh me. yeah. So, these are neutral and interesting and good things to be shared. So I would suggest a default back to asking for stories.
0: Oh, that's well, and and so when you are the one who are telling a story what are, I, I know, and I, and I already know a few of your tips for that, but thinking of the way to gently structure your story to, to help bring
1: people in. No, set your story in time and place.
0: Yes, that's the, that's the tip I knew you did that I, I've been thinking a lot about that you gave me previously, and I think it's a good one. Tell us more about that one.
1: I'll tell you a story this morning as I came in from a beautiful sunny walk. I had listened to this Creative Mornings had done a Zoom walk with people from all over the world. And you walked and listened to stories about walking and watched people walking all over the world, people climbing mountains over Johannesburg and or Cape Town, sorry, and people walking through Christmas villages in Germany, the sun rising in British Columbia and the sun setting elsewhere in the world. And I was so excited. And I walked in and I told my husband it was transformative. And immediately he asked me a question about the technology I was using to listen. And I was pissed I got upset because I thought, just let me be happy. I'm really happy right now. Enjoy, meet me in my emotion. Now, had I been listening to the intent behind his words to my husband's side story said that our wedding vows should have been, don't listen to what I said, listen to what I meant to say. <laughs> oh. um, I would have realized, well, he's trying to buy me AirPods for Christmas. So he wanted to know how oh, I, yeah. I enjoyed There's my story set in time of place of this sunny morning, but you were there. Right. It's right? an invitation. There's a reason why stories start a long, long time ago in a land far away. It's because your listener could sit back and go, great, it's a long time ago, it's a land far away, bring it on. Right. You, you can paint that picture for me now. I understand what the frame
0: looks like, that it's, it's, oh, you didn't say it was 1982, and it was summertime.
1: Got it. Before we started recording, you told me a story about 19, you being <laughs> 19 years old. Okay. In 1977, yes. I wasn't going to say your age, Jennifer. I was <laughs> sorry about that. And um, I mean, I pictured you. I have an absolute image of what you look like. Now, the truth is I pictured myself in 1977 at 10 years of age, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you were wearing pink or green or whether you had pigtails and whether you had those Stupid fuzzy bows in your hairs, like, like I had at that age, <laughs> um, and the bad glasses that I had at that age. Oh yeah, yep,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I I appreciate your your. Oh yeah, because wow. I had them too. I've had I've had my weird glasses since fourth grade. So yes, in 1977, <laughs> I too had those glasses, and I totally would have envied you with your fuzzy bows
1: uh, <laughs> or the huckaboo shirts, but the point is these are details. And this is another thing about how to tell a story. You give just enough detail and just enough setting that I was there. The story you were telling was a backyard party in 1977. Boom. I was there. I saw what everybody else was wearing. I saw the ambrosia salad. I was there. (laughs) I'm sure there wasn't. Oh, ambrosia
0: salad. Ooh, that stuff's good. Well, so if I, with with all, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the internationality of this. I'm making up words of t- storytelling, like with your experience going around. Would my story have done, like, resonated in one of the many other countries you've done work in? Are are there certain differences,
1: or are we very similar as humans telling stories? I think we're very similar. There's a social and a political context, and there's a context for gender to some degree, but it's all very similar. I mean, people were 10 years old in 1977, no matter where they were on the earth. Good point. So that works. There's more respect for nature in some places that I've been. There's more respect for elders. There's a idea of multi-generational stories. So mm-hmm. You know, if you're telling a story now, it's a story maybe that has been told for three generations and will be told for three more. Interesting. Yeah. I've been honored. I've spent a lot of time in Alaska. And there is an incredible indigenous peoples telling stories that come from a a real place of reverence that they're sacred and handed from one generation to another. Interesting.
0: So a little like variations on the theme of storytelling, you know, a little bit more here and like the ingredients in the recipe, you know, shift. But the the goal is to tell a great story that brings your listener in no matter where you are.
1: And again, that it's about bringing your listener in. Yeah. One of the other places I've spent some time is Montana. And I love Montana because there's space for listening. Right? It's just not competitive. It's not like walking down the street in New York. And there's so much that you want to be listening to at once. And we can't possibly process everything that we're hearing at once. And so yeah. choose what we're listening to. And in Montana, I could just listen. I loved it. Wow. Well, so what happens
0: in the, in the pandemic for storytelling? Like, where is What type of work are you doing now with your, your company?
1: It's the same. I was just talking to my team about that this morning. People are, I think the, the need for story maybe has even risen, that people want to be engaged. There's a urge for more authenticity. I know there's been some studies about political campaigns and advertising campaigns, and people want to see a testimonial done on Zoom. People want to see honest, real person conversations. We're used to that now. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're enjoying less production. I don't think that anybody's need for stories and listening has gone anywhere. In fact, I think it's only gone up. And, and I will say there's a lot of discussion about how difficult it is to focus these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, attention spans have gotten less. No, attention spans have stayed the same. There's more things that are going after our attention, but the span in and of itself is the same. And we know that long-form storytelling, podcasting, yeah, uh, this American Life, the New Yorker magazine, all of these longer, storied forms are actually succeeding and are growing because people want more story in their life. They want more authenticity and and truth. And in a time where there's less trust, it's really nice to be able to say, I trust your story. I trust you. I want to hear your story. I love it. Well, well thank you for telling your story
0: on The Breadwinners. I am so happy to to have you on and join us. This has been so much fun. Our guest today was Thaler Picard. You'll find links to what we discussed in the episode, her essay, learn more about the, the work that she and her team does. You'll see it in the episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit the thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling.